This is uh, episode two uh, of the Simply Waterfowl Talk podcast. One thing I had seen, um, I had seen going around in the Facebook groups, and um, just I, I think it's kind of maybe localized to some of the groups I'm in, but um, I'm seeing some guys wanting to add um, an optional waterfowl stamp to help conservation with um, buying new land, you know, for public hunting, for public duck hunting. Hmm. And um, I, I, I personally, I mean, as long as it was optional, you know, I totally agree and maybe not make it, you know, um, crazy expensive, but maybe an extra 20 bucks that's optional, you know, and it's, it's helping waterfowl and it's giving us more opportunities, you know? Yeah. I ain't seen that. I'd have to look into it. Yeah. And it's just like some of the things the guys are talking about, like what's one way hunters can, um, you know, have more success or just help, um, help out waterfowl hunting i guess yeah because i mean today it's kind of crazy um let's see i i have it written down on my phone um yeah in the 1970s there were two million duck hunters um in the united states and right now the latest poll that was taken it's half of that we're sitting at like I think it's like one point, like just over a million. Dang. Yeah, it, it's really crazy. So, um, you know, there's not as much money going into it. You know, there's not as many people buying federal stamps. And to be honest, maybe there wasn't a such thing as a federal stamp in the 70s. I'm not 100% sure. I, I probably need to do more research into that. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, but no, on that, like I said, I, I do agree. I think um, adding an optional uh, waterfowl stamp um, is a good idea. So uh, it allows the state to maybe have the opportunity to buy more pub, um, public property. Yeah, that'd be, that would be actually pretty cool. Yeah. Like spread them all throughout Texas. Oh, yeah. And and I will say this, there is quite a few, um, I mean, I guess I don't know, I haven't really looked into other states, but uh, there is quite a few opportunities, which I am grateful for, but um, I I feel like in some places, you know, like back where we're from, there's a couple, or there's really one that I can think of, um, I think it's the Gus Anglin uh wma out there towards um tennessee colony yeah tennessee colony that is i think that is guessing but that's the only one i can think i mean and that one's not open all waterfowl season so i mean i feel like some guys are um don't have a lot of opportunities not everybody has a lot of opportunities in texas and i feel like um if everybody had decent opportunity maybe more duck hunters more people could get into duck hunting yeah i can understand that i mean gus england looks like a good spot but knowing i don't know if there's any 
if anybody's actually killed anything out there. Yeah, I, I do think, I don't know, I haven't done much, but what I've heard, I, I, I think there is good hunting out there because it's, um, when it floods, it's it's a lot of flooded timber. Um, and, uh, we got, um, what's that other one? A Big Bottom Creek or whatever? Uh, something like that. Something you like remember that. when we went and looked at it and it was dry? Yeah, I do remember that. They need to have like a a spillway or something and they could flood that with come duck season. Yeah, and that's another thing, you know, that optional, you know, uh, duck stamp uh, for the state of Texas or every state. Um, it could help, you know, Texas Parks and Wildlife or the wildlife agencies in other states do stuff like that, you know? Yeah, and you know, uh, I think that's the one right beside the prison, ain't it? Yeah, that that's right beside the prison. We actually had to go through, um, go right beside the prison. That's another thing. They need to make, because, you know, the prison guards get to hunt that private land right behind it, right? Yeah. They should make that public. Well, I think... Just letting prison prison guards hunt there. Yeah. I I don't know. I think that's more since it's... Well, I guess, I mean, it's still state-owned because it's a prison. Um, Maybe you're right. Maybe, yeah. But I don't I know, know what... a lot of people that just deer hunt back there though. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't I don't really know either. I don't I haven't looked that much into that. I remember you telling me about it and I think we we had looked up a little bit about it when we were talking about it, but besides that I haven't done any outside research on that. Yeah, but I do agree that uh, East Texas does need a lot more public duck spots. Yeah, yeah. But um yeah, yeah I just Kichai. Yeah, Kichai, but uh they don't they don't do uh they do drone hunts now. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. We did look into that. We did quite a bit of research into that one day. Yeah, like the Trinity. Yeah, the Trinity. Oh well that's that is true. We're kinda neglecting that. Um you can duck hunt on the Trinity, but I mean, um, if as a new hunter, nobody would really know that there's, I mean, maybe if you looked it up, maybe you could find an article that, I don't know, somebody wrote or a forum or something, somebody talked about it, but uh, it's not really broadcasted on uh, Texas Parks and Wildlife. Yeah, which I think it should be, because yeah. it's a big body of water. Oh, yeah, and I imagine... Um, maybe not. I I don't know. I've never, uh, really looked into hunting fast moving rivers like that, but maybe the sloughs that come off the river, um, would be, would probably be good hunting, but then it gets into territory of hunting private and, you know, even though you're on a boat or you're in the water, you know, there's going to be issues. So maybe that's the reason it's not, uh, um, broadcasted by the state, you know? Yeah. But um what are your opinion on the how game wardens work throughout the waterfowl season? Uh what do you what do you mean like um we're like, hunting uh like uh when we're hunting lakes, we really don't see that many game wardens. Yeah. Um, uh just be one patrolling the water or something. Yeah, that is true. Um but they they do a lot like 
I think we talked about in episode uh, one, um, they do a lot during that time. You know, it's not just duck season, it's deer hunting season too. So, and not only are they trying to um, keep up with all the public property, but the private property as well, you know. Well, that and uh, isn't the beginning of duck season, dove season still going on too? That is true. Yeah, dove season too. That's another one that they're just trying to make sure everybody's legal and safe and uh, having a good time. Well, I wouldn't say they're trying to make sure everybody's having a good time, but more of trying to enforce the law. Yeah. There you can you can definitely get some asshole game wardens. Um we had one. Yeah. I, we had a guy come out on uh, me, um, my brother Timothy and my brother in law Bryce. We had a guy and we were done with the hunt. Um and we were just kinda walking around in the water, scouting, moving around, just um just kind of dragging it out dragging the hunt out to enjoy it but um this game warden walked up and it's not too far from the road um, not horribly and uh he just kind of popped up out of the woods and um he I, I wouldn't say he was an asshole but uh he lacked um human emotion like you know he didn't smile he didn't try to joke with us or you know make us feel comfortable he was just he checked our plugs, checked licenses, and he was gone. I don't even think he said, you know, good morning or have a good day or anything like that. Yeah. But they are overworked, definitely, for um, during hunting season. They are, they are on the grind, um, which I understand it, you know. The most of the laws that are put in place there's a reason you know whether it's three shells in your gun you can only have three or it's limits you know it's it's all about conserving wildlife yeah but i definitely uh i would not want to do it i have respect for game wardens because i know that job has got to be rough yeah they got a lot to do yeah but uh yeah i guess um that's my view on that the game wardens um one thing that i'd kind of like to talk about is uh recruiting the new duck hunters yeah whether whether it's um you know just somebody you meet through a group or uh you know you're just talking to somebody and maybe they sound a little interested you know um everybody should try to bring as many people as they can into the uh waterfowl hunt because uh we we do not make up uh a lot of the hunting community i don't know what percent exactly it is but it's definitely low there's like I said, a million duck hunters in the United States. Yeah. And uh, another thing, you were talking about new hunters. Uh, do you still got your public hunting land book? Yeah. I mean, if you buy a tag, you get it. You don't have to ask people. You can just find your own little spot. That is true. Um, I'm looking at it right now, and I found a spot right beside me. What? What Chance is talking about, uh, when you get, I don't know about other states, but in Texas, 
when you get an annual public hunting license, um, you get included. It's a hard copy of uh, all the public land in Texas. And it, you can look up, you can go through there for the county or um, for the zone, whatever. And uh, you, you can find some really good spots. That's actually how we have found the majority of the spots we hunt now. Yeah, there's a lot of spots that in East Texas that we ain't even looked at. Yeah, that's true. It, it's a lot of places. It, it's definitely easy to overlook stuff. That one spot, mean you looked at in Grosbeck has an early teal season. The one with Dovin. Oh, really? Yeah, I was looking at it. Hmm. That's what I'm looking at right now. Do you remember? there being any bodies of water i remember there was a creek that was dried up but i'm i'm not thinking that's really gonna bring the teal in you know yeah but we we don't think we went far enough because that land went far back that is true um on that map there should be usually the pound or the pounds uh the uh ponds they're you know they're included on the map it'll be like a dotted line or a, a dotted blue line whatever yeah i'm trying to find it real quick so i can actually talk about that while we're talking about it yeah um for anybody listening uh me and chance we we do dove hunt um i wouldn't say we did quite a bit this year and it, it is fun but um it's hard it it is hard um, especially where we hunt at, we hunt in Southeast Texas. It's pretty far East to be considered Southeast. And, uh, there's just not a lot of numbers until you get into the second split of the dove season. And by that time we're chasing waterfowl, we're chasing ducks and we don't really care too much about the dove. No, not unless we get bored. Yeah. Now, uh, granted, I remember, I think we were duck hunting, to be honest. Yeah, we were duck hunting in the evening. It was me, you, and Peyton, and we were in a blind um, on Peyton's property, and uh, we weren't seeing ducks. It was in the morning. No, I, I, I'm mistaken. It, it was in the morning, and uh, we weren't seeing ducks, or we were seeing ducks. They just weren't coming to us. They weren't decoying, and something was off the ducks just didn't like us that that day and um the dove just kept flying right in front of us so finally we got tired of it and we just started shooting at the dove with steel shot (laughs) good times good times yeah i think it it might have been in the evening hell i don't remember there's a lot of stuff that's happened since then a lot of hunting adventures and it's all kind of some of it blends together yeah but um yeah uh what what else do you have anything else i have a few things um i'm just curious i kind of figured we'd go back and forth maybe a little uh, i was just gonna talk some more about this public land stuff oh yeah 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 did you did you find that place no, but um, it's always good to scout it at least a week before you hunt it. Yeah, 
Get layout of the land. Yeah. Yeah, get a good layout of the land and scout and check out and um, have a good understanding about the the land you're going to be hunting. That's true. Yeah. Even if you don't plan on hunting it, it's always there just as a backup. Yeah, it's always good to have backups, 100%. Yeah, here's another one in Palestine. Is it what is it? What's the name of it? Ivy. Oh, that that's the one in Elkhart. Uh I don't think they do dove or duck hunting. Mm, no. Not that one. Yeah. But no, you're you're pointing it out that there is public land, and there that's true. Just maybe not. It's I'm more focused on like waterfowl and stuff. There's probably just not as much public waterfowl hunting land around there. Yeah, no. But uh, yeah, it's always good looking that book. Um, if you're wanting to get into public land hunting or uh, you just want to get into hunting and you don't have property, there's public land out there. Do it. Put in the work. Put in the, you know, the five minutes it takes for a Google search. And if I'm not mistaken, I don't think you have to. Uh, and actually, I know this for a fact. You don't have to buy the APH to get um, a digital copy of uh the public texas public hunting lands i i'm not for sure to be honest uh only reason i'm saying that because i remember looking at it before i got my aph and i was through on my phone all the public land oh but yeah if uh anybody out there is wanting to do some hunting and doesn't have land Check it out. Look it up. Just literally look up. Oh, and there's also a map on Texas Parks and Wildlife. You can literally look up public hunting land in Texas, and uh, the Texas Parks and Wildlife uh, website will come up, and it's an interactive map. You can scroll through. I mean, it has stars. You can click on it, and then it'll pull up that specific place, um, the rules and the type of hunting you can do, and all that which is I, I really like that i take advantage of that quite a bit you know yeah and i found that spot oh is there any ponds on it yeah there were the the two dried up ones but the creek it runs all the way through the property yeah i i'm 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 pretty sure um I mean, I guess they just put teal hunting, but I guess they wouldn't just allow teal hunting. I guess they could, but I wouldn't think they would do it um, if there wasn't a lot of teal out there. Maybe we just, I don't know. We hunted it, we hunted it in the evening. So, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know either. Uh, I don't know. We could definitely look into it, though. I am definitely down to check it out. I am not opposed to finding little honey holes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of land out there, though. Oh, yeah. 100%. Like, we only walked, like, on the other side of the creek. It goes all the way back. 
Yeah. But that's just fields, though. There's no creeks or nothing. Hey, we can check it out. It's not too far, you know. Yeah. Maybe not. I don't know if we'll teal hunt out there because there's not a lot of water. Yeah. But you never know. We could, you know, maybe go uh, go scout one morning, you know. Yeah, I'd be down to do that. Yeah. It's always worth a shot. You never, like I said, you never know. There could be. But, yeah, anyway, um, let's see. There's a lot of laws in this book, too, you need to read up on. Yeah, yeah, for sure, all the regulations and stuff. Because I didn't uh-huh. even know this. You can't even use dogs on public land. Really? Yeah. On, on what public lands? Because I was trying to get past the public land stuff. Um, decoy spreads. That's one thing I wanted to talk about. Um, do you have a preference? Like any way that, you know, that have you, you seen that just works, whether it's, you know, uh, the basic spreads, a J or uh, maybe um, a hook or maybe just like two blobs and a the kill hole in the middle or do you have any type of preference no that is a good question i i've heard a lot of people do good things with the j but since i'm i'm new to it i really couldn't tell you what my preference would be yeah that is true but a lot of people use the j yeah, I do like the J. It has a lot of. Um, you can use it in a lot of scenarios, is what I'm trying to say. It's very versatile, you know. Yeah, and uh, going back to the APH permit, you are you have to possess it. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Uh, I guess we should have said that before we moved on. Um. To hunt public land, you do need that, a hundred percent. There's no way around it. There's no if ands or buts. You have to have that to hunt public land in Texas. Yeah, and you can't get away from it because to get on the public land, you have to fill out a piece of paper. Yeah, in some places it is like that. Don't try to go on public land hunting without an APH. Because you never know when a game one's gonna walk up on you. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, we try to avoid tickets. Tickets are, um, we don't like those. Waterfowl hunting is expensive enough. Uh, I don't need any more charges. <laughs> <laughs> charges to the bank account, that's during waterfowl season, is a killer. Those uh, ticket would be detrimental. Yeah, I found us a, a straight-up waterfowl spot, by the way. Where at? Bodark. Bodark. I think I've heard of that before. I'm not. Between Mont Alva and Athens. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all they do is waterfowl. Oh, yeah. They got wetlands. Oh, shit. Yeah, we'll have to check it out. Um, yeah. I'm going to save that one. Yeah, go ahead. Like I said earlier, I'm always down to try new places, man. 
we That's can a um pretty big lake too. Hmm. Yeah, save it. Write it down. Take a screenshot, something. We'll check it out. Yeah. Um spot later. What's up? I'm not gonna look at that spot, come closer to t- uh, waterfowl season. Yeah, that's why I was telling you to screenshot it or something so we don't lose it, you know. Yeah. You know what's crazy? I have so many screenshots of stuff in my phone, whether it's from uh uh excuse me, uh public land spots or um you know, pictures or I guess no, I'm not gonna include pictures, but screenshots of WMAs or specific spots on a lake or uh you know, wind movement. A lot of the screenshots I have, I would uh, check the weather a few days before, a day before usually, and I would check the wind pattern, and I would kind of try to, like, draw out what type of decoy spread and what way I wanted to face it, and uh, and I would do that just to uh, help ease the impatience. Yeah. But, uh, and I feel like that's another thing we can kind of dive into, uh, like there's a lot of people out there that do not do that. I mean, they might consider the wind when they get there, if it's really blowing hard, um, but they don't prepare beforehand. They don't, um, look into the weather and try to set it up just perfect the way they like it, which is, I mean, it's perfectly fine. I'm not hating on it. Um, it's just different types of people, which both ways, I mean, I get it doesn't really matter. I mean, I guess it could matter in certain situations, but, um, if you're in a good spot, you're going to have success most of the time, regardless of what your decoy spread looks like. Yeah. And, um, another thing, since we're talking about public land, if you're not for sure about something, call your game warden and ask. If it's okay, you have waterfowl hunt there. You know, we've done that before. Yeah. Because you always want to make sure before you get prepared to go hunt that spot. Oh, yeah, for sure. If you have questions, definitely call a game warden. Most of them are willing to answer questions. Shit, ask them their preference about it. Some of them will tell you it's a good spot or it's a it has its day spot, you know. Yeah, some of them will. Not all of them. Some of them um, will flat up tell you, and I have been told this before, um, that their job is not to tell you if it's a good spot. They'll just tell you if it's legal or not. Yeah. Yes. But uh, moving um, into the decoy spread. Sorry, I went scatterbrained. Um the decoy spreads what what do you feel like um what if you're going out you know um in a few days what are you doing um to either maybe plan a decoy spread or weather wise or are you though that would you prefer just when you get there you know just feel the situation out and um i guess kind of play it by ear uh I would probably go scout it and make sure there's birds. And I would see what the birds are doing, you know, like where they're landing at, how they're landing, 
so I can kind of get an idea of what to do my decoy spread based on. Okay. It really depends on where you're hunting. Too. That is true. That That's a good answer. I, I didn't even consider that. And, and uh, that's something that is really important, especially in late season. Um, the birds, uh, they they act a certain type of way they're they're paired up in late season and uh they're only wanting to hang out sometimes with a few different groups you know of a few different pairs yeah and i like um like lake conroe we kind of get an idea of what they're doing you know because we've actually seen them yeah that is true big bodies of water though it's kind of hard yeah, big bodies of water, Lake Livingston, um, Conroe, uh, Lake of the Pines, Lake Tyler. They're, it's hard lakes to predict mm-hmm. what the birds are going to do. But um, you can, you are right, it's more uh, when you do see the birds, it's kind of in that area. They're sticking to that same, that same kind of scenario, their uh, situation, I guess. Yeah, and uh, we mentioned it in the first one. You got to pay attention to what they're eating and where they're at. That is true, and I feel like a lot of people neglect that. Um, And sometimes it's not all about food. Sometimes it is where the bird feels comfortable. That's why it's important to scout. So you can get, I don't know how to get an idea of when they're starting to move. Yeah, scout. Um, not just for the birds, um, where they're comfortable, but in a spot where they're comfortable and there's a good food source, you know, but I mean, regardless of that, if you scout somewhere and you see, you know, 60 birds in this spot and they're just having a good old time and there's not food in there, or there's not a lot of food. It, it, it doesn't matter if the birds like it there, um, hunt there if you see birds there a good number of birds uh hunt there because it's not just depending on the food it's also where they're comfortable but they would prefer a spot where they're comfortable and there's food so um i guess that has to do with like if you're scouting maybe later in the day middle of the day and um you don't know you're not seeing the birds because you know they're not really feeding they're somewhere lounging out and just relaxing um look for a spot that has good potential you know maybe it's tucked away or uh maybe it has a good food source that and you kind of um need to focus more on the surroundings not just birds yeah, and also, don't be that guy that goes and scouts one spot on public land. Because there's always that one person that's going to beat you to it. You know? Yeah, yeah. You have, have multiple spots kind of planned out in case you do get beat. Yeah, you got to have a plan A, a plan B, a, ban- a plan C. You always got to have three. Yeah, like that one group of hunters that uh, you walked up to. They wanted to hunt the spot we were in, but we beat it to them. Yeah. Now, granted, we, um, with us, we get out to our public spots extremely early. We do not play. We do, we do not want to be beat to our hole by anyone. No. 
Um, and plus, I feel like when you're sitting out there, you know, you, you might get out there at, right at four and you got everything set up by 415, 420. Um, it is a long time to wait, but that's one of the things I really enjoy about waterfowl hunting. You know, you get time to talk. You, Some of the best conversations I've had in the past few years have been in the two hours before shooting light, you know? Yeah, and it kind of gives you, because when the sun starts rising, you can get a better look at how you got everything laid out before you actually start shooting. Oh, yeah. Sometimes when you're setting up the spread in pure darkness, you're like, oh, yeah, this is looking good. You got your headlamp or your flashlight or whatever. And um, like, oh, this looks great. It's fine. You might make a little adjustments with me. I'm uh, um, OCD, so I try to make our spread perfect. You know what I feel like the birds are extremely going to like. And then the sun starts coming up. And for me, being OCD, I see something a little out of whack, and I'm like, oh, shit, that looks funky. Or sometimes when, you know, the sun starts coming up, your spread just looks absolutely horrible, and there's a lot of flaws. Yeah. That's why it's good to preferably have two people, because you can move a lot of decoys with two people. Yeah, that is true. <clears throat> Some decoys. I mean, you could with one person, but it's going to put a – a lot of stress on that one person trying to keep it perfect and within, you know, before shooting light because you don't want to be out there and the ducks start moving. Yeah. Yeah, there there is those type of people that they get there, uh, you know, 15, 20 minutes before shooting light and it's already starting to get a little uh, light outside and uh, that's normal for them. Yeah. Waterfowl hunting takes sacrifice. If um, 15, 20 minutes before shooting light, legal shooting light, usually uh, birds, some birds are starting to move. So don't be that guy. Get there early. Just wake up, um, you know, at a decent time. And at least I say, for me, my preference, at least an hour before shooting light. At least. I usually, we usually do about two hours, maybe an hour and 45, but uh, I like to stay at that two-hour mark before shooting light. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, that, and it kind of gives the other hunters, you know, it doesn't throw what off what they're doing. Yeah, it doesn't mess up their hunt, yeah. You don't want to do that. Yeah, no. Um, we're all out there to have a good time. Don't, uh, just make it just fair to everybody. Yeah, and don't get mad and get butt hurt because somebody did it. Shit happens. Yeah, shit happens. Um, it's called public land for a reason. It's nobody's property. It's yeah. well, I mean, it's the state's property, but um, One everybody. Person, uh, if they get mad, they can't really do nothing because it's not their property. Yeah, no. There's there's those guys that they're out there that they get agitated that they got beat to their hole. Well, I mean, most of the time it's their own fault. You you know you shouldn't have took, um, slept in. You know that that's that's your fault. Do you got anything else or? Uh, not really. I'm just in 
kind of given some points about what you should do. And, you know, waking up, like you mentioned earlier, is important. Yeah, waking up is important. It sucks. It, it does suck, but um, I I wouldn't say it's horrible because usually the night before that, um, I know we're going hunting the next morning. I'm so excited. It's just like, okay, let me get some sleep, and but I'm ready to go. You know, I'm so excited for the next day. It's yeah, that's why we packed the night before. Yeah, pack the night before so you can uh, just get in the truck or get dressed and uh, get in the truck or whatever and just leave. Yeah, because I feel like if you don't, more than likely, you're going to figure something. Then yeah. Feel stupid. Yeah. Um, I don't – what all have we – I'm trying to think. I mean, besides mosquito spray, which we just didn't plan for, um, what have we really forgotten? I I can't think of anything. Uh, I think there was one time you forgot your mallard call. Oh, yeah. A Drake whistle and a gadwall call. Yeah. But, I mean, that's fine. I I think maybe, like, a few times I've forgotten because different pairs of waders, I'll stick the face paint. Like, right in my chest, and I'll forget it's in that pair of waders, and I'll go to wear the other pair. And Well, yeah, but not only that, when we hunt, it's just all about the experience. You got to have a good mindset when you're going into it, you know, because you, you're basically, you're taking the life of something that doesn't even know what the hell's happening, you know. Yeah. Go out there and expect to kill something. Yeah, for sure. Because it all don't always work out like that. No. Um, yeah, you gotta you gotta have a good time out there, and you're right. You do have to go into it with a good mindset. Yeah. Make sure you charge your mojos if you do. Oh. <laughs> yeah, mojos. Um, we let let's talk about mojos a little bit. That that's a good topic. Um. Always charge them if you use them. Some people don't. Well, I mean, I guess everybody at least has one mojo if you're serious about duck hunting. Um, charge them up. Charge them the night before, the day before, and uh, make sure they're good. Yeah. Um, but moving past that, but still talking about mojos, uh, some people in early teal uh, season here in Texas, a lot of people, they will run at least four mojos. Yeah, I don't understand that. It The teal, I mean, they respond so well to the mojo. I, I don't know what it is about the mojo for them, but they love them. Well, not just, we're saying mojos is with that that flashing effect, the teal they love it. Yeah. But um yeah, some people they'll run four and I'm when I'm saying four, that's very conservative. Some people in early teal will run fucking ten motion decoys and, and it's just crazy to me. Like holy shit, thinking about that, ten motion decoys out there is absolutely insane. Yeah, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. 
and I feel like, you know, with three, three or four, um, which is the most, I feel like I'd probably hunt ever regardless of the situation. Um, you get the same effect. Maybe there's more flashing and I guess since Teal love it, so that flashing effect, um, it's more appealing to them, but I feel like with four or, uh, around that number you you still get the the same result in the end yeah if we hunt with one yeah we hunt with one usually i don't and back going back into mojos the other side of it um late in the season uh it's most people i i guess there's still those guys that are still running remote or motion decoy they have but most people like to put their motion decoys kind of uh, away, you know, just the spinners is what I'm talking about. They um, they pick them up or they kind of put them on the very edge of the spread, kind of hidden, maybe behind a bush or some trees or whatever. Um, do you think that late in the season, after these birds have seen thousands of spreads and thousands of motion decoys, do you think um, that they just get tired of it and they don't really respond as well and maybe even avoid your spread because of motion decoys? Now, I was fixing to ask you about that, but uh, I feel like they, they get so used to it because they see it constantly. But I feel like yep. if you put it out in the open, you know, they're going to be like, you know, fuck that. Yeah. But if you kind of took it away where they could still see that flash, you know, I think that would work a lot better. Yeah, that and and that is what when I'm setting up on hunts late in the season and we do have motion decoys, that's how I'm setting them up. I want them to kind of be hidden and um, not just out in the open, but you're still kind of, the birds are still maybe seeing a flash every once in a while, still kind of catching their eye, I guess. Yeah. Um, what is your opinion on, um, you know, when birds mate, how do you think you should put your decoys in? Like, you think you should try to pair them up as best as you can? Or you think you should just throw them out? Yeah, it's definitely with me for pairing because, um, like I said, I try to get, when I'm putting out the spreads, um, I want most realism. I want it to look like when the ducks go by, I want them to think, oh, yeah, that's just another day thing. Let me. The last time we hunted, we had a. Yeah, holy shit, yeah. Um, we were going into a hunt one morning and we were walking out. And I had the flashlight, and I was just kind of panning it around, and I see this coot up on a log. So I just start walking towards it, and this coot does not care. It It's it's just sitting there. It, it is still dark, so I guess it's kind of in sleep mode. And uh, I get probably two feet away from this coot, and finally he takes off and, you know, does the little coot run across the water, patter, 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 patter. Um yeah they are a goofy ass bird a coot is a goofy bird man i remember that uh when we got that coot it was hiding from us oh yeah we were literally looking 
um, for the coots because I had seen hundreds of them out there. And uh, we had seen ducks out there, but um, what we were hunting out, you remember we had a few groups, it was like two or three, um, that kind of just flew over us. Not very big groups, but they definitely, they checked us out and they were like, oh, nope, don't like that. Yeah. And uh, it was because they were seeing us. You remember the what we were hunting out of. It was just horrible. Yeah, we, might have, we were better off just sitting in the water. Yeah, definitely, 100%. Yeah. Um, that's another thing we can talk about, concealment. We talk about, like, very important things in hunting. And uh, concealment is one of them. When you are hunting, brush your blind, um, according to the area around you. It, it helps. I have firsthand seen the difference. Yeah. Um, if you're hunting out of a well-brushed spot or a poorly brushed spot, you will be able to tell. You can tell when the ducks see you. Yeah, because they're not colorblind. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. They're not like deer. Go out and wear a bright orange beanie or something. Yeah, no, that that's a no-go. Yeah. They don't even enforce orange for the waterfowls. Nope. No, they do not. Not on in Texas, at least. In public place you go, they do not. You do not have to wear one piece of orange clothing. Yeah. And it kind of does make sense because you're not supposed to, like, if you can reach out and touch the people hunting beside you, you're a little too close. Yeah, yeah, that is true. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I feel like we've had some people try to walk up on us, but then they, we, we turn our flashlights on and they're like, oh, fuck, there's people over there. Yeah, and um, that's kind of the respect thing. I'm not. If I was to walk up on somebody and I seen them, I'm not going to go up to them and ask them to let up with them. I mean, if they offer, yeah, but um, I'm not going to try to impose on somebody's hunt. Hey, oh, it gets scary out there, man. Son of a bitch. I did a lot of hunting alone um, this year in the morning. And uh, five o'clock in the morning when it's pitch black outside and you're walking through the woods or a field or whatever, uh, it gets pretty scary. Yeah. And I mean, you can be the most macho man in the world and, uh, go out, go walk through the woods at five o'clock in the morning and, uh, <laughs> see if you're not a little bit on edge, you know? Yeah. With a little bitty flashlight. Yeah. Fuck that. Yeah, it's uh, it's intimidating, but uh, every I remember walking out a few times and just being like, "Damn, dude, uh, it's a little spooky out here." But I just always remember, you know, it. Um, I'm there to hunt waterfowl, and I love it, so I'm gonna push through. I don't care what's out here. Me and it are just gonna have to get along. Fucking Bigfoot out there hunting with you. Yeah, probably so. Um. Around where I live, there are people that swear they see Bigfoot. I don't know about all that, but uh, I have no idea to be honest. I don't know whether to believe he's real or not. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't really know. I don't. They're um, the people that are like true believers of Bigfoot are like I don't know. They're just kind of off, I guess. 
Yeah. Most of the time. I mean, I guess there's probably some cool people out there that believe in Bigfoot, but uh or just insane people. Yeah. Um well I guess not insane. Some people I don't know. Some people just try to ride a story. I I don't know. Yeah. People are weird, man. You don't you you never know. People people <laughs> do things for fucking weird ass reasons. I don't know. That's true. Um, you drinking on anything tonight? Uh, Dr. Pepper and snuff. Well, I hope you're not drinking enough. That probably wouldn't be too good. Fuck no, I'm spitting it. Fuck that. <laughs> yeah, no, I was, I was just joking. Um, dude, you gotta start getting some alcohol for these things. I, the past, the uh, episode one. I drank, uh, shit, I don't know, I think it was like five beers in an hour and 20 minutes we were talking. Yeah, on the next one, though, I'm going to get some alcohol. Because for me, any day duck hunting is a thousand times better than any day at work. Yeah. So. uh, Like you were saying about waking up, when I wake up, I'm tired. But when I look and see the duck hunting stuff in the back, it wakes me up. Oh, yeah. It's, uh... You know, I get excited. Oh, yeah. The excitement is real, for sure. I mean, even if you don't kill nothing, just watching them fly, pay attention to what they're doing, I still have fun. Oh, yeah. I I love just seeing it, man. Most of the time, I just, I love learning how ducks react or um, how they behave or um, just ducks in general, man, learning about them and watching them. It's, it's amazing for me. Yeah, they're smart birds. Oh, yeah. 100%. Well, you got to think they've been hunted pretty um pretty hard for i i don't really know like the beginning of waterfowl hunting i probably should do some research but they've definitely been hunted pretty hard for at least 30 years you know all waterfowl in the united states yeah well that goes for any kind of bird really they don't necessarily mean waterfowl because hunting's always been around yeah for sure, but um, I mean, most birds aren't getting shot at, and you know, ten times a day, you know. Yeah, for one bird. Yeah, um, waterfowl. You know, they get or ducks, they get you, and then you you can tell when an area is overpressured. You can a hundred percent tell because those ducks. They know what time the hunters are going to start shooting at them. So yeah. in an overpressured area, usually come shooting light, they're going to get up, they're going to get out and get to where they want to be. And they don't want to leave there for a while until that time comes that they know hunters usually leave and they're not going to get shot at as much. And I've noticed a lot, too. That you'll have a couple, like, probably two birds fly over you. And I feel like what they're doing is they're kind of looking to see what you're doing. Then going to, like, 
telling everybody, hey, you know, there's a stupid motherfucker down there with a shotgun. Yeah. Because I feel like, because I've heard them talk or quack, and I feel like they're talking shit. Probably so, man. Uh, some of the times we've been out there and uh, we just don't have the best concealment, they probably are talking shit. Like, uh, if I had to guess what they were saying, they're probably thinking, oh, look at these dumbasses. I see them right there. They are right there. And then, you know, sometimes we'll be moving. We don't even know the birds are coming in. They're probably like, oh, look at that. They moved. I definitely know where he's at. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Every time we leave, birds fly like, God, yeah that that just means we got to stay a little bit later man they get used to what we're doing we got to stay a little bit 30 minutes later sunrise to sunset oh shit i don't know we'd have to bring a grill out there for food <laughs> the middle of the water middle of the water just cook it up yeah <laughs> um but yeah <laughs> Definitely be prepared. Yeah, we we touched a lot on prepared in episode one, but uh, yep. we can't emphasize that enough, I guess. Uh, be prepared, always. Yeah, and you never know. You might need to bring some toilet paper, too, because you're going to be out there for a while. Oh, yeah, bring toilet paper. I don't do that all the time, and I have regretted it at least twice. Yep, both times we've hunted. On Lake Conroe, I've had to take a shit. Yeah, that water, man. That nasty Lake Conroe water make you shit real quick. Yeah. Um, Remember that one time where we, we hunted that one spot we got the coot. You thought I was at the truck smoking a cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Good times. I got a lot of memories from it. Oh, yeah, dude. There's so many more memories to make. There's. Uh, I hope I can duck hunt till I'm at least like 55. And then hopefully by then they have little hover cars where I can just hover over all the marsh mud. That would be nice. That would be nice. It's definitely one of them things I'm going to teach my kids to do. Oh, yeah, dude. We, in my family... Excuse me. Um, in my family, we there was a lot of my brothers that did hunt, but um, only one of them really waterfowl hunt. Which one was that? Raymond. Oh yeah. Yeah. I thought it been Timothy or something. No, Timothy. Um, I before this year he had never duck hunted at all. Damn. Yeah. But my family, well, I say on my dad's side, they do a lot of hunting and my mom's side, but they don't do waterfowl. You know, they hunt big game. Yeah. You know, so getting into it is definitely a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, dude. Just learning and uh, trying to improve yourself as a waterfowl hunter. It. It is fun for me. Yeah, and another thing, he ain't got to have the most expensive shotgun to go kill a bird. Yeah, you do not. The gun, the brand of decoys, uh, the brand of waders, um, don't expect 
um, or don't expect from yourself the most expensive stuff. Usually, you know, lower end stuff. It might not last quite as long, and uh, but it'll still get the job done. You can still get out there and see birds and harvest ducks, and it's definitely possible. And you don't have to buy AVNX every time. You know, you can get Walmart brand or Academy, whatever. Yeah. I mean, don't be that guy that buys a pair of Sitka waders for one season, doesn't kill a single bird, and just hangs them up. Yeah, yeah, Sitka is uh, kind of ridiculous. I just don't understand the type of stuff we go through in uh, waders. Yeah. I do not want to spend that much on because we go through some rough scenarios. We walk through a damn forest. Yeah. <laughs> Getting the shit beat out of us by trees. Yeah. But, uh... I don't even like the color pattern of the Sitka waders. I'd have to disagree there. I do like the color pattern. I just don't like the price tag. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I feel like the Sitka waders, their camo is not really, like... I don't know. It's not, like... I feel like you can't really blend in with anything. Supposedly, the the pattern they use, I don't remember what they call it, Sitka, but um, supposedly it's supposed to blend really well, like uh, in all scenarios. I, I don't really know. I don't know any research behind it or anything, but... I mean, it's supposed- probably a smaller guy, but if you're... If you're a bigger dude, you know, what are you going to blend in? There's not some big-ass tree you can go lean up against. <laughs> there is some big-ass trees, but uh, out there in the marshes, saltwater marshes, you don't have trees to hide. You definitely want to try to get the most realistic camo you can out there. Yeah, that is true. Because you're hunting. I don't even know what kind of grass we were in, but when you're down in them holes, you kind of can't really see us. Because all, all you see is, if you are looking for us, like the top of our heads. Yeah. That's because we're white. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not being racist. That's just being truthful. Yeah, you know, we stick out. We stick out a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, no, with that, I think, uh, unless you have anything else to talk about, uh, I think we'll wrap this up. Episode two. Yeah. Dundee. Um, and maybe I I'd say we just do one uh, moving forward.